This is Matt Brown, and you're listening to Just a Good Conversation. People are leaving California. So many, in fact, that California lost a seat in the House of Representatives. Over 6 million people have left California in the last 10 years. And my good friend Carlos Delgado was one of them. Carlos and his wife packed up the kids and moved to Washington on a three-acre farm. Yes, a farm. This is like a long haul. This is not like a, something that is going to be done right away. It is always going to be in progress. Like even with like a, it's completely built up like as our like little dream that we, we formulated before we moved up here. Like even at that point, it's still going to be like this constant maintenance and just this growth and just this dance that you're gonna that I'm gonna be doing with nature forever. It's never gonna be done. So although it'll be like all the infrastructure that we've been building the past two years is built, like my neighbor like to tell me like once fence building is over, the next day it starts fence fixing. I'm Matt Brown, host of Just a Good Conversation. Take a listen to our archives. My guests have ranged from small business owners world-class chefs, and photographer and fellow podcaster, Michael Durr. You know, when you have those conversations, and that goes for people that are either in high school about to go in, or if you have your children now and you're having that discussion, it's like, yeah, like, sit them down and ask them what they really want to do. If they don't have an idea of what they want to do, and they want to figure it out in college, I think that time has passed. Maybe that was a safe mentality in 1988. Now that we've been through, in the last 13 years, two different recessions significantly more people in the world or more market saturation, a realistic possibility that your return is going to be lessened. Go to justagoodconversation.com for all our archives. Carlos and I had a lot to catch up on, so I decided to break this podcast up into two parts. Let's take a quick break for the sponsor before diving into part one of my conversation with Carlos Delgado. I'm going to have to say this is going to be the most natural uh, healthiest podcast I've done in 18 months, and I get to do it with you, Carlos. How are you doing? I'm great, Matt. It's good to hear you. It's great to hear from you. Absolutely. I We've known each other for what? Since I think I met you early on, 05, 04? Um, yeah, 04, 05, when somewhere were, around there. Yeah, when you were just a young lad at Cal State Fullerton running around trying to make pictures with, God, who were the photographers back then? Christina? Right, Christina House, David Pardo, David Pardo, yeah, yes, were, yeah, and they were they were a year ahead. And in my class, we there was um, Kevin Rogers and Song Han Lee, but uh, we had a, a, a nice group of of young photographers that that ended up uh, doing big things. Yeah, not bad, not a bad group to hang hang your hat with. How did you yeah, find your way to Cal State Fullerton? Man, so well, I. I, uh, I, I'm from Long Beach, so I did public school in Long Beach and, um, and you survived pretty much. I, I survived. <laughs> yeah. I, I <laughs> and, and, and it's, it's a surprise too, because I was, I had a pretty sheltered childhood where I went to private school, uh, Catholic school in Lakewood for all the way through seventh grade and something like sparked in me. I don't know if it was questioning these these ladies who are like trying to indoctrinate me or what, but I, I knew I had to get out of there. And, um, and the, the private high school, at least options uh, available to me were, were not appealing to me as like a, you know, seventh grader already thinking ahead. So right. um, I, I did 
a public school in eighth grade in West Long Beach, Stephen Middle School. And that was a perfect primer to go to Jordan in North Long Beach, right, was my neighborhood high school, which was like an absolute jungle. Yes. Um, I mean, the stories yeah. you told me, I, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there, there are, yeah. So I would definitely navigated some, some hurdles there. Um, but and so, uh, and, so know, people, in, and so people know you were not a six foot three, 245 pound linebacker waiting for USC to call either. Not exactly. No, <laughs> I wasn't Samoan. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. you know, and I've just been this little Mexican kid my whole life. You know, I played baseball forever and, and I was like really creative and artsy, always like to draw and paint and stuff. And, uh, and I was, I was smart, you know, I, I, I got good grades. So going into Jordan, I started off in the IB, like advanced program, like the, you know, fast track to like a UC school and halfway through I, I burnt out and I was done, you know, and around the same time I met a, a solid group of guys that like to this day are one of my best friends and um, really just, they were like my brothers and I didn't have any, I only have a, a younger sister. And, um, some of those brothers were not good brothers for me. And some, some have been like, you know, true friends to this day. Uh, but, um, in the, in those early days, I like navigated a whole lot of adversity and, uh, especially like physical adversity, but man, it was fun. You know, I'd like wake, go to like leave school junior year, go to the homie's house. And it was like a, a garage shack where like 20 guys would, would, would end up after, you know, during the day, most of them didn't, most of them didn't go to class and we would just smoke blunts and get into all kinds of shit. And, um, you know, we would like fight each other for status and it was just wild. Um, but at the end of it, you know, I graduated and because it took those, those IB classes, the first few years, I already had enough credits to like, you know, get into a Cal state. UC was off the table early on. Um, but, uh, by the time senior year rolled around, um, you know, I had applied to Cal State Fullerton, Cal State Long Beach and Dominguez Hills. And I want to go to Long Beach as my home school. I didn't get in. Um, so Cal State Fullerton, it was, and, um, pretty much just went straight from senior year to, to Fullerton. And I went in as an art major, um, just cause you know, it's something I like to do. And that's, that's I what I was going to say. You enjoyed art, you're creative. So that was just kind of an easy path. Exactly. And, you know, I always like to do it and I thought I'd be, you know, it'd be good to explore it as like, you know, as far as a college level exploration goes. Right. Was there mom so, and dad? Um, yeah. Mom and dad creative. Where'd you get that um, gene? I think I got it from my grandparents, honestly. Well, my dad, he was, he was creative for sure. Um, in his own way, he liked to draw and paint. He always dabbled in stuff. You know, when I, I took piano lessons starting in second grade and he took them, he started at the same time. So, you know, I did that for a few years and he was all, my dad was always like really supportive of whatever I wanted to do. So it, it, it was like always lots of extracurriculars. So, you know, it was literally for sure, but every year it was like, just try another sport or let's try this class or this class. And I was always remember shuffling, getting shuffled around from thing to thing to see what I like, <laughs> try this, try that. And art and baseball, um, that always stuck. Um, and, uh, my, both my grandfathers were photographers. Um, I never met my, my dad's dad. He died before I was born, but he basically, 
he he was a freelance photographer in like the 50s and 60s 70s in venice where uh, my dad grew up and uh he put his six kids through school through ucla back then i guess it was a little bit easier to do that on one freelance photographer income right uh but uh yeah and and um I mean, I just hear stories, you know, like he was, he had like his little dark room. He did a lot of little league. Somehow he made it work. And uh, my, my uh, maternal grandfather, he was also a photographer in Mexico. My mom's from Mexico city. My dad was born in Mexico city too, but uh, he came uh, when he was like two years old. Um, and they, they grew up in, in LA. But my mom came over when she was 20, 21. Okay. Um, and uh, my, uh, her dad, she, he had a little, um, a little photo lab in Mexico city. And, and, um, I have like really early memories of him, but just knowing that both my grandfathers were photographers and were like creatives, kind of always knowing that maybe like, Oh, well, that's probably where, where it comes from. And, but, um, yeah, but like my, both my parents, they, they got their, their own creative outlets. And my mom did pottery for many years, like, like the wheel, like, like in ghost, you know what I mean? Like, so yeah, so we always had like our our cabinets full of like mom's homemade uh, ceramic dishes and stuff. And <laughs> ah, those are the best. <laughs> yeah, I still have them now. Like they 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 last forever. You could like light them on fire. And, you know, we, you melt some some cheese on a grill on these little bowl, little dishes that she makes and makes like perfect queso fundido. And it's like <laughs> these dishes that were made in like '92. You know what I mean? Those things um, are bulletproof and they're fantastic. They'll last forever. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, there I am like, you know, art major first couple of years at Fullerton and something tells me that it's not for me. And I'm just like looking around and I'm seeing like all these like students next to me have like eyeliner and like they're all goth and, and like, it just, I'm not vibing with these people. And, and the, the teachers were putting me off to it. Like one was just like this, like art Nazi who was like, if you don't, make it in my 3d design course you will not make it in the art world and everything and, and I, I tried so hard like on this one project um put all of my soul into it and it gave me like a d minus i was like oh, fuck <laughs> <laughs> and so i was like i'm out of here you know I'm, gonna, I'm not declaring a major for a while and just took a bunch of classes uh, i mean general ed stuff right. and, and uh didn't really discover photography as a, as a path until I, it was time to, I had to pick a major. And, and, uh, and I was like looking at the sheet in the counselor's office, like, Oh, communications. Hey, you could take photo classes. If I choose this, I'm like, sure, I'll try it. Let's do it. And, uh, and that's it. And then I just kind of was off and running with some intro classes. Had you picked and, up a camera before that at all? Nah, no. And, and we're talking, this is like 2001, Right, two thousand two. Wow. No, I'm sorry, not two thousand one. I, I graduated in oh two, so this is like oh three, oh four. Okay. And um, yeah, and and you know, point and shoot was like my first camera for intro to photography class. And at, at Fullerton, they didn't really have a photo program. It was just communications, and you could have an emphasis in photo communications. Right. And and then there's just like five or six photo classes that you could choose from, and you have to start with intro, and then you know, um, so. It was basically each semester I had like one or two photo classes with everything else. But, um, you know, shout out to Davis Barber and and Mark Boster, who like really like sparked it for me, like as an idea and kind of had me qu- like 
trying to make a better picture, even with it's like a, a little point and shoot and going around campus, getting feature, you know, features for uh, Davis's intro to photojournalism class. Mm-hmm. And um, right around that time uh, was a sports shooter academies. So well, what were, yeah. what were Davis and Mark, what were they guiding you? Like, like bumpers, right? What were they kind of moving you in that? Right. What were they saying? Well, Davis was, he got me to like, think about pictures and not just like, um, take them. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it does. Yeah. Like, well, you know, I was having fun at the time, you know, it wasn't like a serious thing. I was just taking pictures and I thought, uh, you know, I'm just going around doing photo assignments at the, at that same time. Um, I was still, I was commuting that whole time from home and that same pattern of hanging with the homies persisted all through college where I get off my classes, drive back home, go to my buddy's house and see what shenanigans we can get into and, you know, girls and, and weed. And, and I got into a, a reggae band at the time and I was still painting. So, you know, I was just having fun, you know, right. And, right. and, um, when, uh, Around that same time, I, I guess I, I started working for a skateboard company. Mm-hmm. And, I remember uh, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Z Flex skateboards. You want you want to feel old? Grant still <laughs> has that skateboard. <laughs> Man, well, it's, it's good. It's good to know that that thing still is in one piece. Yeah, um, you know. But yeah, so the bassist in the band that I was in, he was like a, a longtime skateboarder from like you know from the the birth of it and he was working at this skateboard company called z flex that was around since the the early days the tony alba days the the uh uh jimmy plumer days from like you know when you're skating way back in the 70s right so this name this company is still around and he was part of it and he asked me it's like hey you know we need some help in the the warehouse building boards so that became my my first like job job that wasn't you know, a, you know, a couple months thing, um, building skateboards and, you know, so I was building skateboards, driving to school during the day, playing reggae music at night. And the owner of the company asked me to, well, first he, he, we were going to like skate conventions for this company mm-hmm. and he was like looking for pictures and I was taking, you know, photography classes in college. So I kind of pitched my first pitch ever like, Hey, if you buy me a fisheye lens, then I can go out to these spots and get photos for you since I'm already working for you and get photos of these skateboarders with, with our gear. And, you know, it could be good. You know, I you know, can get more experience. Um, and so he did. He bought my – and I still have it today, my first fisheye lens. At the time, I had like a D70. And with this fisheye lens, that was just like the most expensive thing that I ever seen. And so that was my first technically first photo gig um, doing skateboard photography in like 2003 or whatever it was. And uh, so around that same time, I was in Davis's class and, um, you know, I was turning in assignments that were just like, just trash. You know what I mean? Like, right. Just um, whatever you had in front of you, just shoot. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and this was, you know, there were like, you know, like kind of heavy assignments. Like one was like a, a, a homeless assignment, homeless photo story. It was like the, the you know, so the, the basics every week was like an assignment, sports assignment this week, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. next week it's portrait or whatever, you know? And, 
and we just we're just some young kids have no grasp of what it you know of our equipment for one but just just learning and we're tasked with with doing a photo story of homelessness at the end of the semester and um so i, I go out like i know where there's a bunch of homeless people and i go out there and i like you know walk up to them and say hi can i take your picture i'm doing a photo story for college and they're like sure some of them are like looking at me weird but um you know and then when i go turn it in davis is just like i'm glad you, you went out there and talked to these people but it looks like you just went up there and took a put a picture a camera in front of their face and took their picture like not thinking about backgrounds you're not thinking about the person you're just you're not thinking so um those and that, are like that's early of, photographers do yeah yeah and those were like one of the earliest lessons of 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 this craft was to like start thinking about it you know um and like beforehand and as well as during and after especially when you're trying to trying to tell a story um so that was a important lesson and, and not just to just take the picture because you have a camera you know just like there's there's just have some purpose behind it mm-hmm. and to think a little bit more uh, of what you're doing. Um, and uh, so after his class, I think in between his class and Mark Foster's class was the first sports shooter Academy. And Davis was the one who told me about it. He's like, Hey, there's this group of professionals. They just launched this, uh, this, this workshop. He told me about sports shooter.com mm-hmm. um, during class. And then he's like, Hey, there's this new workshop that just started up. You might be interested so I, uh, I signed up, um, and literally that like changed everything. Um, which class were you in? Were you in the second? Um, the second. Okay. I was sports shooter two. Um, and yeah, it was, it was eye opening. I mean, you guys just let all these college kids play with all this expensive stuff <laughs> and, and, and expect us to go back and like, nothing's going to change. You know, well, we got you hooked, hooked to the drug. Oh, yeah. It, it wasn't just the equipment drug. It was like everything, you know, yeah, just being culture, on the sidelines. Yeah, and, the culture and being around other people mm-hmm. doing what you want to do. Yeah. I mean, it's a huge change when you get dumped into a photo workshop like that, where all of a sudden everybody's in love with the same thing you're in love with. Yeah, it was it was wild. And and just seeing um, seeing like the faculty and how they worked and how they talked and learning about you guys. I was like, man, this is like a real career path. I mean, albeit it's a really slim chance of making it and you have to work your ass off, but like people are doing this, you know, and, and, um, you know, that really like cemented the, the love for photography and as a, a, as a path, uh, for a career. Um, and I'm like, I'm doing this. Like, I don't care what I have to do. Um, (laughs) this is it. Like, I'm going to be out here with this super long ass lens and I'm going to be walking down the sidelines at the Rose bowl. And, and that's, that's going to be it. That's my goal. And not just Rose bowl, obviously, but you know, like making a, making a living doing sports. Cause that, that's what sparked it for me. Um, and um, so, yeah, Sports Shooter 2 came around and it, it like got me going down that road. And the, the next semester, I took the uh, advanced photojournalism class with Mark Boster, who was, who was at the Times. And uh, that, that really kind of shifted things where it went from love for, for, of sports photography to a love of storytelling. 
and like the different tools in like a, a photojournalist's pocket and not and not just to be a good sports photographer but just to be like more well-rounded and to have value as in a sense from that um being well-rounded right you know um but but yeah and and it it was it was great that that advanced class was was great it was was really good for, uh for me in that like you know he he made me uh kind of challenge myself and there was a couple of good photographers in that class who kept one up of me every assignment and just like how did she get that picture you know or like how did like really like man you know that right. like just early jealousy like like shit it's like how did you how did you do that and and it hurt it stung a little harder because they were my contemporaries mm-hmm. it wasn't like you know when right after a sports shooter is when i you know i met you and you were like, hey, I'm at Fullerton. Come and say hi. So then I did, like, every time I got, every chance I had. Sure. Right? And and those early days of me, like, globbing onto you at all the games and, and really absorbing it were were super, like, crucial in, in my growth at the time. And even now, still, like, lessons that I learned back then. But seeing you work up, like, a post game and the photos that you got, and I'm like, man, you know, amazed and just like, how did you get that dejection? Like, you know, these relationships you built with these players allowed you this access and you knew what to do when once the chaos of, of the post game was over and you run out there and you had a mission. And then I'm like, that no wonder I didn't get any pictures, but it stung a little less because I knew you you've been doing it forever. And right. you know, so in the moment just of the other photographers and myself, even though it was just in my head, it also pushed me to be better as well. Um, and uh, there was a, a homelessness assignment in that class too, that um, that I, I like attacked with like a whole different like way of looking at it. Yeah, that was the one off what the seven ten, right? The underpass. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah, and I I went out there on the underpass. This is back when the uh, encampments weren't spilling out into the street yet. No, I mean, um, compared to today, that's a small little place to what today's village. Those oh, things are huge. Yeah. Yeah. And, and at the time, you know, it, I just knew that they were probably, un, they were under this underpass uh, down the, the flood control. So I just went, you know, like I want my ca- one camera thinking whatever and just found an RV and went in, like knocked on the door and, and just like, you know, a couple of meth heads, a, a couple were in there and, you know, I was like really trying to be, yeah, like not aggressive, you know, aggressive. And I was just like, kind of, yeah, you know, I'm a college kid, you know, just working on the thing. And they let me in, they let me into their life for like a couple of weeks. Um, you know, basically they're in there doing meth in their thing and then getting on their bikes and recycling cans and stuff down the road, down the river. And mm-hmm. I was tagging along as dangerous as it was, you know, going through like these, encampments back then even though it was nothing compared to now it was still sketchy and uh <laughs> but you know I, I i worked it you know and and i uh i came back with a group of pictures that were pretty raw you know like just drug use and just squalor um but it 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 wasn't going to win any awards the photo story but it, it t- taught me a lot of lessons for of like of uh you know 
being unobtrusive and kind of gaining trust, that sort of thing. Those things, those are big. That's a, that's, those are big things to do. You learn a lot when you do them. Mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes you don't make something for your portfolio, but you sure do grow as a photographer and a person sure. doing those kind of assignments. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, and, um, so, so yeah, that, I mean, that was pretty much it for photo class, photo class development at, from, from school. Um, it was really the, the, the sports shooter academies and real world experience that kind of really shaped me and, and, had me on a good footing to like establish a, any sort of photo career. Um, for instance, like the, um, the next sports shooter Academy, I did, I think I did two and then I did three and I did the multimedia boot camp. Mm-hmm. Um, the, those are just like so much fun, man. Like no wonder it went on for decades. Um, right. right. Um, and my internships. So I think my senior year, I did an internship at the Long Beach press telegram, Yep. And yep. Um, tons of fun, learned a lot, but it was like a really like hands off internship, whereas the kind of, it was just like done assignments were remote at the time, unless you wanted to go in there and, uh, or you just send your pictures, you know, I had maybe, it was like a three day a week sort of thing with one or two assignments each of those days. So low workload, but they, you know, gave you access to, um, to real newspaper type of work. Yeah. Um, and I remember at the time my portfolio was looking really SoCal heavy. I got skateboarders, palm trees, and lots of stuff that was really like LA looking. Yeah. I remember talking to you about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's so after that internship is graduation time. And, um, like, what am I going to do? You know? And I was like, I think I need some more experience if I'm really going to make a career of this. So, I uh, sent out a big stack of applications to internships all over the country for a news- newspaper photographer. And the first one to get back to me and, and give me a chance was the Erie Times News in, in Pennsylvania. Um, and that's that's where I went. So one thing I forgot to mention, though, before I applied for that second internship, I had gotten a meeting for the internship at the Associated Press. I got an interview. Okay. Um, I went in, talked to Tracy Gitnick, got to sit down with her and had my portfolio right there. And she's like, um, you got, you have good work. Um, but, uh, see this, she pointed to this big stack of, of other portfolio. <laughs> she's like, this is not quite there for the, for the internship. Sorry. And, and I was like, well, no problem. But she said, she's like, you're good enough to get a sit down with me though. And I was like, well, that's a good sign. Um, and she, she gave me some good advice. She said, you know what, go get some more experience outside of your comfort zone. I can tell that you're, you've been in your comfort zone for a long time. Um, nothing wrong with that, but just, you know, I think you could grow as a photographer. Oh, absolutely. For sure. Best, best advice ever. And, and she said, you know, you get out, get out some, go get some snow pictures or something and come back and, you know, we'll have, we'll sit down again. We'll, We'll see what happens. And that's exactly what I did. So I ended up getting that internship and it was a year long one, a real one. And it was like a job, um, like nine to five, four assignments a day. And, uh, that's when, like, I think I learned the most as far as being a professional, like photographer. Oh yeah. Yeah. 
one right, one like, year in a place where you actually have seasons. I remember just calling to check up on you to make sure you were alive. Cause it's just, <laughs> yeah. it's a culture shock. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was, and it was a lot of fun though. I, I feel like I was like the first Mexican ever in the whole city. Pennsylvania. Um, yeah. Well, Erie, <laughs> at least uh, definitely, <laughs> definitely in the, in the newspaper in the company. Right. Um, and and they were just they were just like happy to have me over there and i and i i felt like they um brought me in to like shake things up and which which i did for sure um my editor chris chris Millet, never forget like he taught me ap style and how to not come back empty handed that was like one of my biggest mistakes ever uh from professionally was to just like blow assignment cuz there's nothing happening is like some I don't know, convention or some sort of dinner, you know, where they're serving like stale chicken, some, mm-hmm. you know, some something stuffy and like a, a hotel, um, you know, meeting room with like shitty light. And I, I think I just like, eh, I just gave, gave it one like Hail Mary uh, wide angle overall shot of the event and called it an assignment and went back. And, you know, these were like D3s with, or D2Hs with like the worst noise. I just yeah. had nothing. Had like nothing to show, and the, and that is the internship. Every assignment, I had to drive back to the office and sit down with the editor, show him what I had, and go through my take. Um, and yeah, I just had nothing for him, and he's just like, "What the fuck, dude? Like, you know, we still got to print something." Yeah, this can't and, happen. Yeah, and so he had to go back himself and go for, do something, you know, save save the day, and he came back with like some solid pictures from that thing. Like there was like 20 minutes left on at, at the event. He went and got the guy that we were supposed to get at the podium and came back with like a, a grip and grin. It was like something, you know, and you know, we'll never forget like that lesson. But uh, yeah. And, and that whole, that whole year I strove to kind of break out of the comfort zone and, and learn it, learn, use what I learned in like the sports shooter academies with like dynamic lighting and portraiture and all the stuff that I kind of learned till then and, and try to make some good pictures. And, and I made a, a couple of good ones. I made some good ones there, yeah. at least enough to mix, mix up my portfolio. So it didn't look like I was stuck in LA or anything right. like that. Yeah. Do you think the Long Beach internship, um, didn't provide you that information when you got to Pennsylvania to like always come back with something. Not because when you don't have someone sit down and edit your work like that, you're really, it's like a freelance job. You send it in, they take it, they don't care. But right. when you have someone sit down with you and say, why did you do this? Why didn't you do this? Don't do this again. And this was great work. Keep it up. You know, that's, those are big building blocks for an internship. So do you think Long Beach didn't help you that in that regard? Being hands well, off? Yeah. Well, in, in a lot of ways, yeah. Um, but there were some assignments that I definitely got some some one-on-one. I mean, uh Brittany, the editor there, she she was great. Um, and you know, the the team of guys I learned a lot from, you know, Jeff Gritchin, Steve George, Steve Carr, um, a, a bunch of people, DeAndre Jake, um, uh Kevin, 
Chang, right? Gonna, he's, yes, Chang. Yeah. He's gonna he's gonna hate me. But uh, <laughs> and and uh, I can't leave out Scott Smelter either. Oh, I mean, Scotty these, too. Yeah, yeah. These guys like really took me under my wing while I was there. And the, I mean, the the time that I did have, like they were instrumental in in really like passing down tidbits of knowledge and how, and how to work things. I remember DeAndre showed me how to walk around with a seventy two hundred on my shoulder, so I don't like smack people on the hip when I walk past, <laughs> <laughs> you know, stuff like that. I, Oh, I most definitely learned a ton. Um, but like what you're saying, like the, the input from the, like the daily input from every assignment, it, it, it just wasn't there. Like I got, I did some photo stories and I got lots of input from other photographers cause I sought it out, you know, like, mm-hmm. and you know, as much when I had the opportunity, I, I did go up into that like high rise that they had at the time. And, you know, went up there and found whoever was there. And sometimes the editor would be there. Sometimes she wasn't and just try to get input. Um, and then when I did get it, when I did get those like sit downs, um, they, they were valuable in that, you know, they, they gave me some, even with the photographers, you know, they, they helped me, you know, tighten it up and tighten, tighten up my captions, things like that. But I think the volume of the full-time experience, like four a days, you know, and, nothing's remote you just drive back and you sit um i think that like it's just like the the reps right like right. You, you just do it more and more you're going to get more input you're going to get more lessons you know um and that's big that, it's yeah. big yeah for sure do you well, think your time at Erie you who who changed more them or you good question i mean i would like to think that i did but um just because you know, there's such an established, they were an established company, and um, you know they had things going. But honestly, I don't know. It, it was a little give and give and take, you know. Because so, I remember you saying like, "Oh, I broke out pocket wizards," and you know, right. and we're doing remotes, and they were like, "What the hell's this?" Yeah, like, what is this? Ki- who is this kid setting up a backboard remote at a high school game? <laughs> you know, I'm like, sorry, I did that to you. Yeah, and I was light, and I was lighting them too. You know, I was I was doing that was my thing at the at the time. I was like always doing floor remotes or backboard remotes for high school in like these shitty gyms, and and doing the wireless to the SB eight hundred lighting yep. it, lighting it just in that one corner, and I was getting some some like double truck stuff um you know at like some like high school game, bringing it back and they're like Jesus, how did you even like how like you know yeah, um and hey kid, like, what are you doing yeah like like pump the brakes, bro. You know, but they were great because they, you know, like these older guys that have been there forever, they, they weren't like curmudgeoning about it. They just were like, Oh, okay. That's cool. And then it made them feel like they need to step their game up. And they even told me little fire. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, And, and in the end we all forget it's about the readers. Did they like the work? Did they like viewing those images? Of course they did. Right. Right. And, and it, it, at the time, this was before like the, the impending doom was obvious, you know, at the time, it's just like the new, and in, in Erie at the, you know, it wasn't like they were, I think a eight to 10 years behind the, the collapse, you know, like oh. in like New York, LA. Um, so, you know, they were just catching up to like, you know, different ways of doing stuff, you know, like how to make online work for them. Right. So, you know, I just came in for a year with pocket wizards and, and a whole lighting setup that I had shipped over there and just was making good pictures to thinking for the future. Right. And 
I think at the same time, they, they, uh, they learned a couple of things from me too. That's but, good. Um, that is good. Yeah. That well, is had good. some fun. It was cold. <laughs> and, <laughs> but you know, a year goes by and I come back home and, um, like now what, you know, and I had, I had taken out a, a business line of credit, bought a bunch of lenses, the first two bodies right before that internship. So like, all right, now I'm in the hole. So I got to make this work or I got to get rid of all this stuff. Right. <laughs> so, so I, I, I got, uh, I got a meeting again with, with, um, AP and say, Hey, I got snow, got some snow pictures, <laughs> you know? And they said, well, they, I think she appreciated the effort and she's like, wow. Yeah. Yeah, you did. All right. Um, it's like, well, all right, we can set up some, uh, some freelance arrangement and, you know, kind of see where it goes. And, and it started off real slow where I'd get a couple of assignments here or there. They, she put me on, on like a shadowing, a handful of shadowing assignments with like Chris Carlson and Mark Terrell and, you know, learned as much as I could, you know, out on the, out on the courts and stuff. And I remember um, I, I shot a, a SC game with Carlson once uh, and we sat down, we were like, editing right next to each other trying to send our five out at halftime <laughs> and uh i was working with like this ancient sit ancient setup like macbook pro one that i got like in school still and and i'm like over here trying to like run noise ninja and shit and he's just like yeah you gotta work on your speed brother like it's not gonna this is not gonna cut it <laughs> so <laughs> um so like you know, after those couple of, of shadows, they just started giving me a, an assignment or two portrait stuff and a couple of the Dodger games. And, um, you know, that kind of started the, the freelance, um, adventure really like the 2008 when I got back. Um, and you know, I, st I, I started getting some assignments from the press telegram and, and luckily I had an amazing mentor in yourself that like, really like took me under under your wing there and like allowed me to assist you on like sports illustrated gigs and you like entrusted clients that you couldn't do stuff for it and to me it's like here's my guy like you know and you gave me that that chance to you know feel like you had that confidence in me to to do solid work for a client and all of those experiences really kind of helped help me grow into a better photographer and help my, you know, my network of relationships grow so that I can kind of be on my own, so to speak, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, early on, um, it was a lot of editorial stuff, like first, like five years. Right. Sure. Um, where I was shooting stuff for the press telegram. And I was, I remember driving around, Long Beach with my in my Jeep Wrangler with a police scanner, just oh, looking right. for spot news, you know, and I was finding it, you know, it's because I knew every every spot news I found was fifty bucks. So, you know, I'd get car accidents and just all manner of stuff, and um, just send them in fifty bucks, boom, you know, and you know at the same time, hustle, so, gotta hustle, the hustle, right? So I was doing. The, the PT, I was doing you know, AP assignments. Um, I had my first commercial gig for the Compton School District. Um, I think that was like even before that last internship, 
where a friend, a friend from high school got a job there in the communications department. Mm-hmm. He knew I was a photographer. This is like through MySpace. And <laughs> can we go? You know? We probably need to put a disclaimer on that so people don't know what that is. Oh, yeah. God, that's funny. Yeah, MySpace and a BlackBerry. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> right? So, but yeah, so I, I, I started working with a, a girl. My name was Sunny, who was at the communications department at Compton School District. And did that for a few years. She ended up moving to Molina Healthcare and brought me along. So all of those like early relationships, that's like, what it's about. Kind of blossomed, right? Yeah. That is what it's about. And so that's kind of how the I, I grew it. Like early on, was just running around shooting newspaper stuff and um, growing. You know, starting the wedding business. Even though I told myself I'd never shoot weddings in college, mm-hmm. I find myself asking, like, wondering how I'm going to make a living without shooting weddings. <laughs> so I jumped into that and um, and the youth sports, too. So early on, um, I, I linked up with a company called All League Sports Photos out of uh, South Orange County. A uh, guy by the name of Charlie Bernhardt owned it. And yeah. ran it for like 20 years. He was like an old NFL photographer guy from back on the trading cards days. And he kind of just built this giant monopoly pretty much on youth sports in South Orange County. And so I came in early on and just worked for peanuts pretty much for him because I knew it was like steady work every Saturday. Um, but those peanuts became more peanuts and more peanuts like every year that I, you know, kind of became more reliable and knew what I was doing some more. Right. It's, it's, it's easy stuff. You know what I mean? Like, it really is. You just gotta, yeah. be, you gotta be reliable. That's the only thing. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, just, just having a lot of fun. Those early days, like editorial fun running around. I ended up getting um, my name in the hat at the register for freelance gigs. So, I mean, there'd be days where I'm like shooting one thing for one paper in the morning, afternoon for another, and then the evening game for another whole another one. And then th- the next day is like a wedding. And it's like, you know, I'm like making, I'm making some, some, some money, you know, and things are busy. So, you know, at the same time, uh, the, uh, the AP had me shoot something for the New York daily news. And then ever since then, that one assignment I did for them, the New York daily news just started calling me straight. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a couple of years of that, I became like their LA West coast guy. Um, and that, that it ran for like eight years almost where they were sending me to everything and they were flying me everywhere. You just like money was not a thing, I guess. Right. You know? So, I mean, it was so much fun though. Like I was going to, I went to Alaska for like a week on an assignment and, you know, I was doing the junket circuit and it's like getting celebrity portraits. And I was like, this, this can't be real, <laughs> you know, it, or it definitely was real. But then I was like, this can't sustain, you know, like it, hopefully it does. But I, something told me like this level of, of like glamorous assignments just is not going right. to long, Right. At some but, point, the wheels got to fall off. And they did. And they did. Um, And so, you know, probably like five, six years, seven years in, the wheels did fall off. I just stopped getting phone calls from the Daily News. PT, like the press telegram just kind of sunk, took a dunk, dive, whatever you want to call it. OC registered just like 
well, they had an interesting couple of years where they, they had all that money go into them to, for expansion to try to like save, you know, like the brothers bought them out and yeah. then they, they created a Long Beach register. And right. And then they had, so they had all this use for me. I was doing stuff every day almost for them, like a year of the bleeding. And it was like, yeah, they, they killed themselves. They were done for at least for right. freelancers go. Right. Yeah. And so and I had a feeling, so I had to, um, luckily I had kind of cultivated, cultivated these, these relationships from, from the editorial stuff and then through all the, you know, headshots and portraits and to where most of the business just kind of seamlessly shifted into the commercial side, luckily. Mm-hmm. Um, at AP images, like kind of, well, AP launched their, their commercial side of, of assignment stuff and, um, I had a sit down with Doug Bank and, and got basically said, you know, we're, we're looking for a team here in, in LA and got some, uh, got some steady work from, from them for pretty much until I moved out of LA. Um, a lot of corporate events and, and things like that kind of same sort of stuff, except like you get the, you have to get the branding behind the speaker at the podium. You sure. Know I mean? like, sure. Yeah. That's what they're paying for. Mm-hmm. Wait, okay. So the, the slow roll that I noticed into where you're at now seemed like it started to change when you got into CrossFit and started lifting. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's around the same time. So what happened was, Oh, around 2010, um, I got out of a toxic relationship that I was in since like forever. Uh-huh. Right. And like, a lot of the, I mean, one like theme that I keep going back to is like learning from mistakes. Right. And so one of the, the biggest ones I did was like getting back with my high school sweetheart after I graduated college, like around those internship days. Uh-huh. Right. So, I, uh-huh. so, so that started like a year or two of just like, just not stuff, not working out. Right. And then, and then finally I had a realization, this is not good for me. And then, just got out of that relationship and basically wild out like any sing- freshly single guy will do. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, you know, I like started hanging out with my old like toxic homies and going out to bars every night and um, just like wilding out, you know, and um, I think like, a, like six months of that, I was like burnt out. And um, just hanging out at my best friend's house all the time who who had like a, you know, he, she, he was basically wifed up at the time. And I was like their third wheel, um, <laughs> you, you know, like the, the single, oh, the freshly single guy. He's uh, he's here on the couch all the time. And, uh-huh. What's you know, for dinner? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And I, Where are I we doing feeling, this weekend? <laughs> right. Right. And then I just go out partying and um, I don't know. I just, just, just had enough. I was just like smoking weed every day since ever, since I could remember. And, um, you know, I was just like chubby and getting like, just, uh, just getting like nose at the bar, you know, just all drunk. Hey, what's up? You know? And and so I was like, I gotta, okay, I gotta start over here and kind of take, take like, you know, inventory of my life here. Um, and you know, I, th- I was like still super busy photography wise. And I was like, just not giving these, my, these jobs, like the full effort that I should be, especially with like the little league things. Like I just got complacent mm-hmm. at the same time. 
So um, my sister um, and her hu- her husband, well, they were engaged at the time. They started going to, they were doing CrossFit at the time. And since, you know, I have all this, this newfound freedom. So I'm like, you know, reaching out to her, hanging out with her more often, like I never used to do. And just, you know, just trying to expand and, and, and kind of nurture these old relationships, like my, my family and just kind of, you know, old friends. Right. So, you know, she, she's inviting me like, hey, you guys, you should come down and check them out. And also that around that same time, I shot an assignment for the register, uh, one of those cross, uh, CrossFit games. And I saw like the culture and I was like, man, this is, this is it. This is my ticket. So I like reached out to the gym where my sister went. And if I had a photo of one of their athletes that I shot from those, that competition, I just, Hey, um, check it out. I shot, shot this event for you guys, uh, of your athlete at the games for the register. Just wanted to reach out and, See if you guys want to do a little bartering. I want to want to do CrossFit. I want a six pack, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got a six pack. I just want to have it on my body. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Yeah. So so that's where it started, and that kind of the that journey like began then, where it was you know a journey of health and fitness, and just kind of getting your mind right through through like intense and strenuous like physical adversity um how were the first couple of like weeks did your body take to it brutal or or were you like oh my god what did i get myself into a little bit of both um it i think it's like for anyone starting like the first week or two is gonna be really brutal um even not just crossfit like if you're not working out yeah because you were doing zero yeah, I was doing nothing. I was doing negative working out. I was like sitting around, but also drinking and smoking and doing nothing, right. you know, and eating shit, you know, and just like partying. So like, that's not gonna, that's not gonna be good. No, you're in the uh, hole at that point. Right. So that so overcoming that deficit it took a while, you know, and, but, you know, two, three weeks in and I was going two times a week and it's just like 45 minutes ago, but you're like, killing yourself and you know it was rough but like you're sore every day but it was a good kind of rough it's like you know it it felt i felt like i was doing something right and then i i started i made like started eating paleo you know and i was started cooking for myself um and it really gave me like the autonomy of like getting my my life in control you know where it gave me something to do and it, it it came became like a like it just gave me structure, right? Like something that I was like lacking. Um, when did you start it, to feel physical change? Not like muscles, but just like an eating right. Oh, like right away. Um, you know, I cut out all the soda, all the fast food bullshit, and just like you know, and and all the grains too. I went like heavy, like like hardcore paleo for like six months. Uh, no grains, no carbs, just meat, vegetables. A lot, of, a lot of sweet potato, avocados and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got really skinny, really fast, like scary skinny, like all the fat just melted away. Um, yeah, that's what and, I noticed. I was like, oh, man, he's doing something. Yeah, yeah. And it, it looks scary at first. Like it's like skeletal, right? Because you're just doing all this activity and your 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 intake is nothing but like healthy stuff. Right. Right. Um, 
and probably if yeah i mean it felt good right away and a few months in um there was like noticeable physical changes like probably two months in right clothes and not then, fitting right all of a sudden they're they're falling off you yeah and but not soon after it was like the, the muscles start to to come in right and that that's kicks just, in later right 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 and but all that besides all that like it just felt good to like be living healthy you know like sure um and just have something to do and just like yeah yeah, looking forward to the workouts but like also dreading them but then conquering your fear of of going same thing like um that like the butterflies you feel before shooting a big game Mm -hmm. and then like you know it's just the anticipation of it and then when you actually do it just like the adrenaline rush of like getting in there and like pushing yourself past what you thought was possible and then when you're done you're just like man i like survived that and like you know i'm still here i'm like better for it and in a lot of ways that's kind of where i got the satisfaction of like high high level like photo events where you know you have to do the prep and you have to like do all the mental like prep in order to just like perform and then when you're when it's over it's like it's like the best feeling because like you 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 did what you saw you did what you came to do and your goals are achieved now set set the next one like what's next right and, they, and you kind of build on that and the, like the confidence you get from like those little victories um are is huge cuz you know it keeps you propelled right 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 so 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 there I am you know probably a year in and um you know, I'm just doing my thing and still like super busy for photo wise and, you know, doing CrossFit and this like great community that I got into in, with CrossFit and Seal Beach. Um, and out of nowhere, this just amazing woman just drops into my life, like plop. And like, you know, I have those like feet, like those moments where, you know, like nothing's ever going to be the same. Like This is like, that's the old life, old life now. It's like all this like possibility. And that's what happened with, with Brittany. Um, we met online and she tells me that the only reason that the real reason she messaged me, which is like, that doesn't happen on online dating. This is not, <laughs> this, this is not Tinder. Either. This is before Tinder where there's no swiping yet. Yeah. Yeah. This is, this is okay. Keep it. And, you know, I just put it all out there. I put, I put all my like, pictures out there have like a selfie with with david beckham have a have a selfie with snoop you know and she's like she saw the selfie with snoop dog and she's like that's my that, that's the guy him right there <laughs> and that's, it, the so, guy. that's the guy right there so she messaged me like oh we got some i think we have some similar interests and i'm like that can't be she's this beautiful woman like messaging me that's not possible anyway first date and it's like boom fireworks like we like something instinctively like we both knew like like that is the, that person is the one it's like i thought this only happened in movies but it's real life um and and that's it like ever since then it was just like me and her and we were just doing our thing um about oh you know that first year of dating like we we discovered a, a shared interest in, in gardening and just kind of like nurturing stuff, growing things for ourselves. I think we had like a little, uh, like a little five gallon bucket garden in her apartment. Right. You know, and we were just like, 
growing little little seedlings starts of like beets and just putting in our buckets and like oh look we got little babies and <laughs> we're basically basically playing house right um and you know we were she's a, she's got this apartment right on the beach in long beach and and i and um you know i think we're like eight months in dating and and uh a friend of hers has his house in belmont shore and uh they're like looking for a renter but she can't afford it and i was like well what if we put our chips together and just move in the spot and and then boom we're in, we're moving in together in this amazing house right on the water and that went where we where we were for like five years and in those five years we got engaged we got married had our first kid had our second kid and um we had the time of our life right there we, we were like right on the the, around the corner from that mile of Belmont Shore mm-hmm. uh, restaurants and, and bars and stuff and like walking down the canals and just like living the dream or that was, you know, I mean, a lot of people's dream, you know, we were just, just, just in love and doing our thing. Um, and then like the bottom fell out where the the owners of the house, they, they had a cellar and, you know, at, at the time we, we were just like newlyweds and we have two, you know, we have a, one-year-old and she's she's pregnant with her second and um well what do we do i don't know all right well we gotta find somewhere to live now we just just got like you know upended basically and we're like all right we've got to find another spot and we found another spot and you know we have two now we have two kids now two dogs and we're playing like three grand a month on a rental and like under the flight path of long beach airport in a nice neighborhood but you know it's it was a lot right and and at the time like you know my my wife is an occupational therapist so she was working at a um, skilled nursing center in garden grove um and she loves what she does she she always has uh but it was taking its toll like you know she she always says that skilled skilled nursing is where occupational therapists go to die pretty much like you're you're in a facility and it's you know you're just doing the shuffle of you know the patient slash you know residents and you know it's like a you know it's because it's a very sedentary sort of deal even though you're you know working these people out and you're making the difference but at this at the end of the day you're you're like in there like the rest of them um and, and i was just like super busy working every every weekend every saturday every sunday you know i think i was like doing like 10 15 weddings a year um, the little league stuff was taking up all of my Saturdays of like for six months out of the year. And, um, we, uh, I don't know, we just had like a, like eye-opening moment where, um, we just didn't want to do it anymore. You but know, at this time though, right. How, are you guys, I, I know you guys were fully like gardening. You're very aware of like what you were eating. You were kind of cultivating your little, I guess jump to be because you guys really got into the gardening and eating healthy. Yeah. Yeah, we did. Um, you know, that, that like shared love of gardening, it translated into where we, we kept like upgrading what we were doing. So like that first year we had like the little buckets and then we moved into our place and then it became like more buckets and, you know, and it just kept like becoming a thing where <laughs> we're just growing more stuff. Um, and then somewhere along the lines, I think right before our, my son was born, 
uh, we adopted a, well, we, we bought, we bought a dog. We already had one dog. So we're like, we need another one. And we had a, a bull terrier, you know, like the target dog. Right. And we, we got another dog. We drove to San Bernardino to get it. It was like this white bull terrier that looked like a great white shark. He's like super swole and really <laughs> scary. These tiny little black eyes. And yeah, I never forget. It's like a, the day after I came back from my bachelor party, you know, and I'm like hung over to high hell, and, you know, it just was like, uh, it felt like a dream. Right. And then my wife's like, well, at the time my fiance, she's like, we got to go get this dog. It's in San Bernardino. He's so cute. Let's go get him. It's like, all right, let's go get him. So we, we brought him back and he was just adorable. But then like a month in, he started signing, showing signs of Cujo and, um, Long story short, it just wasn't a good fit, you know, like had to spend some money on, on, uh, placating a woman that, you know, we we're jogging, take, walking that Canyon, um, carbon Canyon. And, yeah. and he kind of swiped a little dog and, you know, he was scary looking and the, there was a little nip. And so I gave the lady money to, for, for hush money. And we were just like, we can't do this. It's only been two months in and he's already showing signs of aggression towards our other dog. We're like, can't. So we like gave him up. We went, took him to the pound and gave him up. I'm just like crying. And uh, and right next to the pound, there's the Long Beach Community Garden. And so you know, both my my, my wife and I were just like crying. We just like, you know, we love this little dog, even though we only had him two two months. And we just saw this little pamphlet like, hey, they got their plots open, and that kind of like cushion the blow like well since we have a lost here let's let's grow our little family in this way and grow in our garden you know um so we got a plot um and it was just you know we we're just having fun with it growing stuff and was, we had it for five years or so and those first two years it was just you know having fun and growing stuff and it's like a 600 square foot plot that's pretty good no, that's a good yeah that's a good chunk bad. of ground yeah yeah um, but there was no like expectation of like eating from right. it, like or 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 you know providing sustenance or anything like that. We were just doing what we like to do. Um, this at the Long Beach Community Gardens, they have they have like a long list of rules, and I mean it's like there's some there's like some ladies that we call like the um, like the Führer ladies who would really like crack down on weeds and plants that you're not supposed to grow and you can only hand water. So it had us go in there like every day and we live like 15 minutes away. Uh, so we're going there every day to water and weed and it's just a lot of work, but we're, we like doing it. So we, we're doing it and the babies come around and we're taking the babies. We're putting the, putting them in like a little high chair, or a, a pack and play right next right. to our plot, you know, and we're just gardening, doing our thing and, it was always like a place to where you can just escape and, you know, have some quiet time. Yeah. Even the, you know, there's, there's the El Dorado nature trail. That's like right next door. So there's some trees you hear, you hear birds, even though the other side of the garden is the 605 freeway. You just don't look there. Don't just, you know, ignore that side. Just look over here. There's trees and animals and garden. And just like the sense of, of community that we got there was just great. Like just sharing vegetables with our, neighboring gardeners and all the old ladies that have been doing it forever were like giving us tips and things like that so it was like our little oasis you know where we would just go and kind of hush it down right um so like this slow this slow burn 
Cave. That was like a big element of it, right. having that gardening experience. Um, but so around that same time, you know, even before the babies were born um, and into their infancies and stuff, we uh, were visiting my sister prior. She uh, she took off and moved out of L.A. and went to Vancouver, Washington with Smart her husband. Smart girl. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For, at the time, we were like, what are you doing? Stupid. You know, what is, there's nothing over there. Um, and, but, but that was like one of those out of nowhere, big moves for them too. Um, but not so out of nowhere cause her husband, my, um, my brother-in-law got, had a stroke at like 25 or 26. Wow. Um, yeah. Um, like unheard of. And he, and it was like right after a CrossFit workout and it was just like a real scary time, you know, and, and we thought we were going to lose him for a little bit. And, um, you know, he ended up fine, you know, but it was like a big wake up call for them. Um, and my sister, she was in HR at the time and she still is. And he was a manager at Trader Joe's and they had, you know, they had a house, they owned a house in Fullerton. Um, and they were just doing the, you know, SoCal thing, you know, house and probably going to think about a baby soon. Right. And then I don't know that he has a stroke and just like kind of rearrange their, their life priorities. And, um, so after he recovered, he's just like, you know, I want to be a manager at TJ's my whole life, you know. Um, so they just kind of just up and wet, sold, sold their house, made a bunch of money on it, and and moved to uh, a neighborhood in Vancouver, Washington. And he he wanted to follow his dream of be, being an auto mechanic. So they went off and did it. Um, and Brittany and I, we would go and visit them like twice a year and, and every time we did it just felt like like a recharge you know we they take us hiking and, um they just take us around the countryside and you know we could like breathe you know there's clean air there's like rivers and mountains and um, just nature right um and at the time we were like this is fun it's nice to visit and all but like there's no restaurants here. It sucks. You know, like Portland's the closest, you know, civilization. Right. Uh, it's about 20 minutes away, you know? So it's like, okay, there's, there's a city. Okay. You're fine. Um, but, but yeah, we'd go and visit a couple times a year and, and just feel like, like a recharge. Um, so that was like another element in that slow burn of, of, you know, that's like an option that some people can drop everything and start a new life somewhere like that. So when you're and, having that conversation, yeah. how real are you getting? Like, are you sitting there going, okay, um, I think I can make it as a photographer wherever we go, or we rely on you, or can you even find a job where we go? Like, how much pillow talk is really starting to get real? There wasn't a lot of it still. Um, it, it it didn't really become a, a, a like a topic until – my wife just turned one day, she just said like, you know, like, what if we just don't do this anymore? And it was a, it was a, to a point where, you know, at that point we were almost a year into that, that rent second rental that we were paying an arm and a leg for. And, you know, I'm like gone every Saturday. Right. And my wife's doing the Monday through Friday. We're barely seeing, having any family time, like maybe on Sunday if we're lucky. Uh -huh. And it's just like this big shuffle that we're that we're in and we have like two babies under two it, yeah it just kind of like dawned on us one day she just like say like what if we 
what if we, we don't want to do this? Oh, you know what? One big catalyst in this was thinking ahead as we'll, we'll do like when you have babies, right? Like, right. Like what about their future? What are we going to do here? We want to buy a house. Okay. So we got these questions like, and these, these plans, like everybody wants to buy a house. We don't want to be pushed out again. Like we were the first right, time. Around. Right. Um, and at the same time, my, uh, the guy, the guy I was working for at all league sports at the, for the youth sports, he was like grooming me to take over for like a decade basically. And, you know, he was ready to retire, sail off into the sunset. And he, he's like, he wants me to buy his company. Um, and just kind of keep it going. You know, he has this stable of, of leagues that it's really like, he's the one that is, is the glue for this company's future. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and I like seriously considered it. And, you know, one of those, those, uh, those early moments of like, you know, wish, uh, wish, wish I could have done this or what if things would have gone different is that that around that same time is when I got that email from you gauging my interest in the angels editor job. Right. Right. And, you know, I, I kick myself to this day that I didn't jump all over that shit, like right away. Um, but the first thing that I, I did was think of like my, my, like, obligations to this little league company and how am I really going to take over? And, you know, that's kind of like thinking in the terms of future, uh, like the future, like for my family, for my kids sake, you know, like I gotta, I I gotta think about longevity here. And if I become, if I buy this company and become Charlie, you know, take his spot on the throne that's longevity, you know, he makes like, he brings in all this money every year and, you know, he has a big old house and, um, you know, I just was thinking like, I don't know, that's like a big question mark. I know I can build some new thing, build some new things, but that's like a, like a, the option of starting over professionally, pretty much, you know, mm-hmm. as far as like, you know, what my trajectory was and it like scared me. Like, it's like, oh my God, like that's my dream job. You know, but then the, you know, the new dad in me was just like, oh, but stability, you know, and, you know, whether I took it or not, you know, obviously it didn't, it, it didn't pan out, but, you know, I, I, I said, if it's, I turned down my dream job. So to make this other thing work that had supposed longevity and stability. So I'm going to go all in with this longevity stability thing. Um, and so I went all in and for, and, you know, I had the the two young kids, but just wasn't happy. Like, you know, and then I was thinking like, am I going to be gone every Saturday for my whole kid's childhood? You know, like missing all those games, you know, and like, and just not be a part, but in sacrifice to the dollar basically and stability and longevity. Um, So all those questions were like, you know, swimming around in my head. And luckily my wife has the real job, you know, with like insurance. Right. And she makes a killer income. Um, and we just sort of like think like one day she's just like, we don't have to do this. Like, you know, like, and she's like, what if we just like got a farm and did what we're doing? Um, 
but just like bought a house that we can afford. And the last, the, the nail in the coffin to make this like a possibility was when we were serious about looking for a house. Right. So when we, we, we got, you know, we started talking to realtors and. Now, did you pick a, did you pick a region? Like, did you say, okay, we want to stay and we don't want to go. Are you thinking weather? What was your. Well, it it wasn't even that complex. Like, honestly, we we were looking at houses in, in LA still in like Long Beach. We weren't looking to be homesteaders or anything. We just, we just wanted to buy a house and like a little yard, you know, and still be within range of my career where I can still have, you know, my business and where she can have her job, even, even though she could work pretty much anywhere. Um, you know, my career having built it up for, you know, 15 years in LA, um, that's what was the the question mark. Like, well, we have this valuable thing that I've built up here. So, you know, and, you know, I was thinking of taking over this youth sports company right? and possibly buying it and being the man, you know, and doing that. Cause you know, like I said, I went all in, in my thinking there. Um, but, uh, but like I said, the nail in the coffin came when we were looking at houses and we we're like, we can't afford anything in that's not in like the ghetto or in Riverside or something. And we had all this consumer debt, um, you know, student loans on my wife's end. And it um it just was felt suffocating and really like deflating. And you know, we we have like two two young kids and you know, we're like, we can't, we, we this is not sustainable. Like we can't like do this. Um so we, we talked to some realtors in, in LA and who said, we're like, yeah, you're not ready. And maybe in a few years, uh, you know, get rid of your debt. And then in a few years, maybe you could buy something for like, uh, you know, maybe out there and, you know, it may not be where you want to go. It'll be your like in-between home. Uh, <laughs> no. Yeah. And it just didn't sound appealing. None of it, you know? And so that was, that was kind of it. We're like, Oh, now we felt stuck, you know? And, um, and finally the, the kind of the clouds parted one day and we just had that talk like let's what if we just like got out of here you know um like we don't know where but if we got out of there somewhere like affordable and then you know well what about near my sister you know that's like really nice land's cheap you know and we well we have her and her family because it's like it's not like we don't know anybody um and we do like it when we go up there you know we like hiking and all that outdoorsy shit, you know? And, um, so that was it. And, and, and we had like an inkling that we weren't done like growing our family, but we would definitely be done if we stayed in LA, you know? Oh, sure. Yeah. So it just, all of these like factors, like kind of culminated into this, like aha moment where we're like, let's get the fuck out of here. Um, and it, Thinking like, well, at least we, we we already knew that the only really option was to be in the Pacific Northwest, where we have some sort of experience going, and where you know we have some family there nearby, and we started to like, seriously consider it. Um, and, and then we were off and running, um, but we had a long way to go before making that dream a reality. Um, just because we were just like saddled with debt and just lots of stuff, you know, and like, what am I going to do for my work and how are we going to make this work if we want to really do this for our kids and for us, you know? Um, and uh, yeah, it, it, it took a lot of Dave Ramsey 
to like knock that shit out. And we, we knocked it all of our debt out in a year and saved for down payment by so just like, what, okay. So what was your approach? I mean, was it the Dave Ramsey approach, which I love Did you just guys decide, okay, we're not doing anything, but you know, tackling this debt. Mm-hmm. Pretty much. We're not going um, out. You're not buying yeah. new shoes. Yeah. You know, we're, we're, we're cooking. Right. We and, don't need um, anything. We're just no. going to attack this thing. Yeah, exactly. And, and I really took it on myself to like, be like the, like the, the budget master, um, you know, with that app that he has. And, and I, and I, you know, at the time I was like diving into all the podcasts that I, that I found value in, including his, but not only his, like, um, like gardening ones. And, and like, if we're going to make this happen, you know, we need to take this gardening thing serious um, because we're not going to go up there to buy a house in some cul-de-sac just so we can have the same shit again. Right. You know? Yeah. And so having that gardening experience, like really gave us like the confidence and like, well, let's like scale this thing up. But we had to take it serious first back in our community garden. So I got dove into like books and podcasts on like how to really get like, you know, high yields and do this gardening thing. Right. Um, one of the uh, really good podcasts is um, Encyclopedia Botanica. Yeah. I mean, there's a bunch, but like that was one of the ones where, where I was like listening to every day. And I was really, we had like a year, basically that was our goal. Like, you know, this was like 2018 or something. Okay. We we're like, all right, this is our goal. We got a year. Uh, cause we wanted to get out before my son started kindergarten. Okay. We didn't want to have him start kindergarten and then have to move. Have to pull him. Right. So <clears throat> that was like the deadline. Like, all right, we have a year to get rid of like, I don't know, 30,000 in debt and save up for a down payment and a cushion. And somehow we did it, man. Like luckily, you know, my wife could work as much as she wanted and she did. And I had like these string of like really lucrative, like commercial gigs that lasted like a week. And, you know, it just all like all this money was like flooding in because we were like working our asses off, you know, and mm-hmm. kids barely saw us, you know, I mean, it did, we were there at nighttime, but honestly, it was just like a lot of sacrifices for like a whole year of our lives where we're just like hustling and bickering but we're just like we had a goal you gotta grind yeah we were for sure and little like little by little like we just were knocking off that debt and we had some fortunate um you know circumstances my my grandmother passed and we had a um, inheritance that really helped chip away at it um and you know but it was a lot of like conscious effort to get that thing out of out of our lives um and just a, pretty much ran the debt snowball like like dave ramsey teaches with some modifications but yeah like we didn't go out to eat you know we were like living right there next to all those restaurants and while we were living there we were wondering like where the hell is all our money going you know and we're just spending like 800 dollars a month on just restaurants right because it's all right there you know so kind of being like aware of where our money's going that was like the, the biggest thing, like right. actually taking like accountability of like where all these, where all these dollars coming in, but we're, we weren't paying attention of where they were going. We were just like, okay, we need this. Let's go. Let's get some food. Let's go. That is a big thing to, as a family go, okay, 
before we even take this jump into what we believe is the biggest purchase of our life, we need to have a clean slate. And we're going to we're going to lock ourselves down, we're going to grind, we're going to start with a clean slate. Did that feel refreshing as it was happening even though it's it's difficult, you guys weren't seeing each other as much, you know, did that feel good as you're watching that number get smaller? Oh yeah. Yeah, it definitely did. And not only it felt better when that number went away and then when we started saving money. Right. Now we're you're like, in the black. Yeah. And then it's like, okay, there's like some momentum and like those like giant like co- corporate jobs, like we're like they like doubled like what we were trying to do here. We're like, Jesus, okay, all right. Well, that works. You know, and it it a lot of things went our way. Um, but you know, we we made it happen, honestly. Like and just having things, those, like I said earlier, like those little victories really like gave us the confidence, like, you know, let's keep it going. Let's keep it going. And do, next thing you know, you know, we're here. Do you wish it all? I mean, it's, we can't do a do-over, but do you wish it all when you were at school that there would have been some kind of mandatory business classes you would have been able to take to kind of set maybe some borders in for you to be like, Hey, you're going to start a business or you're going to be in business. You should know X, Y, and Z. I wish, I wish that was the case, but, but honestly, if, if they had offered it, I don't know if I would have absorbed it back then, you know, like, I mean, I'm sure some base knowledge of it would have been great while I was in school, but most of all of the things that I've learned along the way was just from like mistakes, like, you know, and, and, and but the trouble is for every Carlos, there's a Tom, Dick and Harry that didn't make it because of those mistakes financially. They bought too much. They overextended themselves. They didn't understand um, business debt and, 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 and how it works. And you could just get completely lost very fast and you don't recover. Oh, sure. I mean, I've got, I was there a couple of times where, you know, my mistakes were costly, you know, and, and, you know, I felt like, how am I even going to get out of this shit? And, or, you know, like where one client would just poof, go away forever. And it's like, I was relying on that client and I was used to that money. And, um, there's a lot of things where, where if I didn't persevere and just like put my head down, like I would have been just like them too. throw my, my, my towel, throw the towel in and just like, this is too hard or it's too stressful. But ultimately I was doing what I love to do. And, you know, when I was, I was having little costly errors, I was able to kind of hurdle them in a way where, okay, I'm still survive. I'm still alive. They put dings in your car, but they didn't devastate it. Right. Exactly. And luckily all of the, even the big mistakes that I made, not just professionally, but just in life, like I was able to kind of like matrix, like out of that situation without any like like devastating long-term injuries. That's why they make Bondo. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You know, if you saw the surface, the surface looks nice, but like if you just scrape away a little bit of the outside, it's it's dinged. (laughs) There's duct tape holding that bumper up. Uh Uh, So you, you guys get through that. Your guys are now making money, packing it away. Now it's real right now. Are we Mm -hmm. sitting down with a map going, 
okay, let's play pin the tail on donkey, donkey and let's, let's look at a state or a region. What are we doing? Well, what, we already pinned down the region state. We were like, we got to be close to my sister, you know, and, you know, within, within driving range of Portland. Because my, I was thinking like, you know, I could do this anywhere, but I need to be some sort of proximity to a, a city if I'm have any like, you know, chance of of continuing some any corporate work or anything like that. Right. You Luckily, can't. Be, you can. You personally cannot be in the middle of nowhere. So I thought. Right. Um, and you know, at the time I was getting keeping really busy with AP with the corporate stuff, and. Once we we kind of made that decision, I started dropping it to some to my my big clients, and just like heads up, you know, I'm going to be out of here by next year, um, you know, and started like asking, you know, kind of gauging, am I to expect like to can I still be working in Portland area, like you know, and luckily AP was like, yeah, we need it, we need the work, we need the help. You'll be a bigger fish, smaller pond sort of thing, and so that gave me a little confidence, like okay, I'm not going to be like completely nothing. Um, and so that whole year of, of grinding, we were like on Zillow, like every day. And we were just pretty much looking in that general, you know, within our Portland. I was going to say, what's your radius? One hour? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we wanted to stay on like the Washington side. If okay. You, and, um, and, uh, but you know, about a, an hour from Portland and think about Portland. It's like, it's like this, I'm sure, you know, it's like this just like LA and New York, it's like this liberal city center surrounded by like country, red country folk. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot to choose from when we're talking, when we're looking for a home on, on acreage. Right. And so there we are, we're just hustling and looking at Zillow every day. We're seeing what's popping up and, you know, a house on property would pop up and we're like, that's, you know, it's affordable, but Oh man, it's like a shanty. And, you know, there's just a lot of hit, you know, we don't know. One would come up there and it's like way past our budget and, but it's really nice. And look at all that land, look what, you know, and then we got like twinkles in our eyes and then it's gone, you know, and, but this was just kind of gauging the market, right. This whole year. But by the time we have, by the time the year's coming to an end and we have, you know, enough to where we can call it a down payment in the bank. um, Just like, there's nothing really out there that like, it's like making us think like that's the one, right? But now we have this goal. When you, you say, because I know Portland, so you're, uh, you've got the Columbia River that's to the north. Mm-hmm. Are, is an hour, like how far is an hour outside of Portland? Are we talking like rush hour hour? Because let's like gauge LA on a Friday night at five. Oh, an hour like, is only about 12 miles or, you know. Right. Are we talking a, a legit 60 miles away from portland oh probably like 50 mile radius okay um yeah because right you get out of portland and then there's no traffic anywhere but right you're just you're driving distances right so um and, and it all was all predicated on my wife bless her heart like you know having her job lined up ahead of time so that we would be able to like qualify on a home on her income and, mm-hmm. and like the whole plan was once we get out there, like, I don't expect to make any money, you know, like, right. So, so we, we, we were going to live on one income, you know, on hers alone. And it's obviously, it's a much uh, cheaper, like cost of living up here. 
and we did we ran the numbers we're like well if i'm not making if i'm making zero you know and you're making this much and a mortgage is this much like we're, it's still doable based on like this whole year that we've been you know like living like on a budget it's like we could do this and now, it'll take a while you know but we could do it was there ever thought you where you go okay i give myself because this is a big jump right this is the mm-hmm. question like i said everybody wanted to know like were you thinking okay i give myself six months and if i can't pick up anything ap's only giving me two assignments in six months do you say okay, I'll work at, you know, Trader Joe's or Home Depot, whatever I can to, to help get us get by? Or are you thinking long haul, I got to stay with photography and, you know, till hell yeah. and high water? <clears throat> well, you know, it, it wasn't like hell or hard water for photography, but I was never one to have like a job. I, I right. fucking hated, I hated having a job, right? But like, like the sacrifice I was willing to make, you know, when I first had the kids and like taking over this job and this company and being like the man and sitting in a chair every day, like I was about ready to do that, you know? And so same thing, like I would, I would, I was ready to just like have a job and just help out once we get out here, if nothing materializes, but like, honestly, we had the kids, right. And we don't have any like resources, or we weren't going to have any resources up here uh-huh. besides my sister. And like, we don't have like abuelita and live with us and take care of the kids. So it was really going to be like, I'll be, I'm going to be stay at home dad. And I'm going to be, you know, working to grow my business while you do have the nine to five and, and grow our, our, our homestead. You know, I can do all the stuff at, at home and take care of the kids because they weren't going to be in school yet, you know? Right. Um, so that was the plan, just living on, on my wife's income while I build the business up. And, you know, once, you know, the kids are both in school at that point, then it, we'll see where we're at, you know, because uh-huh. we still had and we still have this student loan like looming over our heads. Um, besides like all, having, all, having had all that consumer debt crushed and building up our, our um, down payment and cushion, like we're still not really following Ramsey's advice by holding on to the student loan uh, that my, my wife got to get her master's before buying a house, right. you know? So he would, he would say, tisk tisk right. right there, you know? But, you know, fuck that. We're going to get out of there no matter what. So, so, but we... Well, are you thinking, so do you guys sit down and go, okay, we got plan A, B, and C. We want to look for this much acreage on this many square foot of a house or which one was more of a, a, a priority? House size, land size. Um, I'd say like a, a balance of both. Like we wanted to have at least an acre, and we wanted to be in a house that wasn't a shanty that we didn't have to fix up, okay. or that you know we weren't that we weren't going to be uncomfortable. Uncom- and were house. you thinking Oregon or Washington? We were thinking Washington uh, because okay. my sister lives in Washington. She's just across the river from Portland. Right. It's She's about- just in. I mean, literally, it's a it's a right across the bridge. Yeah, yeah, like 20 minutes, yeah. if that. And we're like, well, outside of Vancouver, there's a couple of, like, rural communities that that have, like, acreage properties, you know, from, like, 1 to 5 to 10. It really depends on on your budget. And like I said, that balance of do you want to live? Do you want just raw land and build your house? Or do you want, like, a, maybe half an acre but a really nice house, you know? Mm-hmm. So Yeah, there's a lot. I mean, in my research for this, there's a lot you've got to look at, whether it's, 
soil, clean water, septic tanks, energy restrictions. Like there's so much that yeah. this the, going into buying quote unquote, a little farm area land than other than like suburbia, you know, mission Viejo where it's just homes stacked right. up beside each other. Right. Right. And, um, you know, we, we knew we wanted something that's going to be a, a good fit and we don't want to just get into a spot like as a rush and not be a, a good fit, D- discover that like later, you know? Right. So even though we were looking and we had an idea, a general idea in the budget, like we didn't, see anything that was worth pulling the trigger um but we had this deadline you know so we 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 were still planning on moving and, and we asked my sister if we can stay at her place for a couple of months if that you know to while we look for a place and if nothing kind of popped on the market and i guess we'll rent somewhere until until something does but we really didn't want to do that because we had already moved from our first place and my son had was like you know he was three at the time um and we had the um our newborn daughter and then when we got pinched out of our first rental and then we're you know just got settled in and into our second place when we we kind of had this big goal and we didn't want to like do that to the kids you know like another spot another spot Mm -hmm. and we would we were gonna if we had to um so we had this goal of like getting into our new state before kindergarten and we just circled the day on the map on the, on the calendar and we're like we're, we're out here this date we don't have a place to go but at least we can crash on my sisters um, so we put everything in a pod shipped it to their store a storage in portland and got a cruise america rv and packed our dogs and our kids and our turtle in there in our ba- <laughs> <laughs> thank god the turtle home. made it but thank god the turtle man the turtle is a fixture he was there when uh, when i met my wife and he was, he's going to be there long bef- after us. He's like this ancient, like furniture piece that's just like <laughs> older than all of us. And, um, yeah, old Franklin, man, he, he was with us for everything. Uh, but yeah, we loaded up our lives on this, this RV and took four days and trying to make it like a nice little family vacation. And, you know, we have a four-year-old, a two-year-old and everyone's excited. No one really knows. Now, they how's that get- conversation with them? even though they're two and four, but you're still telling them, Hey, we're going to move. Like we're going away. Like yeah. your, your mom and dad were still close. Yep. So yep. like, you know, you're moving away from them. And um, not just them. Like I have a whole family network and aunts and uncles and cousins and friend, all my friends. And, um, my, my wife's from the Bay area. Uh, and she, she went to San Diego state. So, she went to she came to Long Beach. Well, she went to Dominguez Hills for her master's. So then she okay. then she stayed and got a job in Long Beach just when when we ended up meeting. But so all her friends are from San Diego or they're in they're in Marin County. And so I mean, besides the friends that she made at work and stuff and, and my all my friends, they kind of started all disappearing too. They started moving away. My best friend went to Hawaii and, and a lot of other friends that had good heads on their shoulders, they they you know moved moved away, got married and stuff. And so we're just, you know, as far as like our our friends group, it's they kind of out and dispersed into the wind, right? Okay. And but my family was that group was still strong, and and yeah, just having that conversation with the kids was interesting. Uh, at least with my son, you know, my my daughter, she's just like a baby, right? She's point, two, but, so she'll go anywhere right. if there's candy, right? Yeah, <laughs> and and my son, he was all he was such a good sport about it, man. He 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 was he's a real smart kid. He's like 
he knew that that's like what mom and dad want to do. And, and we sold it like, do you want to farm? You know, like, do you want to like, you know, a really big house? backyard, <laughs> a really big backyard. And, you know, we had a house that our rental had a nice pool and, you know, we were going to Disneyland every week. And, and there was just a lot that, um, that, that poor kid had to be behind, you know, uh-huh. even being like four. But yeah, he was a good sport about it, and we kind of turned it into like a big adventure, you know. Um, and so yeah, we we had an RV trip for like four or five days, and on the along the way, we discovered it was infested with cockroaches. Oh, <laughs> so yeah, we, that's a that's a story to tell. For, How for in the hell did they miss that? Good question, buddy. Like they, you know, it was it was one of those things where. It's like those tiny ones, uh-huh. you know, but like that first night we're at like a, a, a RV park in, in Morro Bay and we discover them and we're like, fuck, this is no, you know, and we're like, we we're you already, turn out the lights and they came out. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, we just, ugh, just grit our teeth, call corporate and they, they don't know what to say. They're just like, Oh, you know, well, when you get to your final destination in Portland, they'll reimburse you. And then we call the office in Portland. And they're like, do not bring that RV on our lot, no matter what. And, and long story short, they ended up giving us some shitty like gift card for a day's worth of rental and, and just a story to tell for the, for the oh, know, grandkids. No, one day. no, 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 that, that, that one. Oh, you should have called Uncle Matt. I would have been down at corporate. We'd have burned the thing down. There's no sure. way in hell a gift card would have satisfied. No, and it still doesn't, and it didn't, didn't. But at the time, it was like we were in such a flux. <laughs> we were just looking for any sort of just like, like solid ground, you know. Like we didn't want to have to fight some battle with anybody, you know. Oh. Uh, so, well, you know, you, you learn a little, right? And know? it's a story. Yeah, exactly. And it's over. You know, we got we got to our destination and you know, g- turned the thing back in and, and we, like moved into my sister's place and it's just like crowded, it's super just chaotic and my my wife just started her job like that same day, you know, and um it uh it was interesting like for like 2 months. The the day before we moved up here though, my wife found our house on Zillow uh that we ended up buying. Really? And it was, yeah. And it had been on the market like eight months prior, then fell off. And then it came back up the day before I moved up here, like everything's packed. And she's like, the house is back. The one that we really like, um, that's in our budget and it has three acres. And it's like, like everything's hits, it checks all the check marks and it's back on the market. And like, they can't be, you know, and, and, but it, it, it was true. And we went, we came up here and, one of the first things we did that week was come and check it out. And it's like everything we, we, we have in mind. Um, and luckily I guess the, the, uh, the prior, like the, 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 the buyer who was going to buy it ended up like the finances ended up falling through and it, it was open for us to, to buy it when we got up here. So yes. Pull the trigger. And it just now, loved, what, a lot of stuff. What was it that you guys liked? What was the pros and cons of that property? Oh man, it's like a long three acres with two acres on one side of the house that's like flat, relatively, and usable and open of just pasture okay. surrounded by like trees. 
and the back acre is like woods. Um, and the house is uh, a daylight ranch house. So from the front, it looks like a two-story house. It's a nice house. And it, it's, you know, has all the fixings, you know, it has um, central air and every the brand new roof. Um, a lot of things that other houses that were on the market were not like including in, in, in that, like, you know, where it's like, there's nothing that we had to fix up basically. Wow. It was on like the, it was like on the higher end of our budget, you know, we were going to have to make some, make some, play some mental gymnastics for, for making it happen, but it fit all the categories um, within like 20 minutes of my sister's house. So that would put it at like 40 minutes of Portland. Um, and, you know, uh, the, and the school district had some, you know, good reviews. Okay. Um, it wasn't like, uh, you know, like a redneck like schoolhouse or anything like that. Okay. Um, and I mean, once we got up here and we we saw it, we drove up and we were like, man, this is in the cut though. Like this is out here. You know, it was like a shock almost like the first time we drove up from my sister's house to it. Cause you're just like, you know, it's, so it's in Washuga, Washington, where we're at. Uh-huh. And it's, um it's still considered metro area of Portland. But you're, you know, on the outskirts of that, you know, 45 minute drive time to downtown Portland. And it's a town of like, it's like 17,000 people. And most of those folks are in town and then and pretty much big rural community in on the outskirts of town. And so when we're like five miles up through some rolling hills from town. So pretty much civilization is five miles away. And so like that first drive up the hills through five miles was just like farmland and just like these rolling hills and scenic just evergreen forests and just like whoa what are we doing you know but when we get up there and we go in and we just see the view through the window and see all that open land and just all the possibilities we just like we knew this is like the, the spot this is where we're at thank you for listening to part one of my conversation with carlos delgado Please click the like button if you enjoyed the episode. Also subscribe as well. And you can find all of our shows on the website, justagoodconversation.com. Thank you for listening.